We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. Everybody's back from vacation. Well, since y'all are back on vacation, we're going to go on one next week. So, Oh, you haven't? Okay, well, you still got the rest of the summer to go. No, they won't let us in. Yeah. Well, you got to have a sh- to go to Ireland. You got to have the shot and this and that. And they're one of the worst countries right now. They won't let anybody in or out. So that's all right. It'll still be there. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, that's true. I look Irish enough, so so let's let's continue our study again. And this may be the last week we do this as far as Sunday school for me goes. Uh, just looking at how to study the Scripture, study the Bible. Last week we were talking about uh, Philippians chapter four, verse eight. So turn with me if you would. Going to kind of do a quick recap and then finish it off. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So we started out with the word true. And so last week after uh, service, Darren came up and said, you realize you used the wrong Greek word for true, that it's a different Greek word. Here's, here's a good study. Here's a good thing. And then after, uh, you know, I talked with, Austin, he said, yeah, he said, I, I wasn't just going to throw it up on the board, but this is why we do this, because uh, understand that there are different, let's just do it this way. When you look in the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, the Greek word for true is A-P-L-E-G-M-O-S, the word I, that I used, refidiation. But when you look in the lexicon, the NASB lexicon, it's the word A-L-E-T-E-T-H-E-S. So it depends on what lexicon or it depends on what exhaustive. That's why you don't use one book. To, when you're researching, the deeper and the more you use more opportunity, the greater. Now, these two words mean the same thing. The two different Greek words mean the same thing. But the whole point is, you know, it was good to see that somebody saw that and said, hey, you know, Darren was really nice. He came up with this, you know, you didn't want anybody to hear. He didn't want to embarrass me. And if you want but that understand, see, that, that tells me he's looking. And that's what this is about, y'all. This is about us studying and looking and finding. Uh, because, again, we don't know in six months if we'll be meeting. We don't know that. We don't, you know, so we have to be prepared and, and to know how that we can study this book. If it's just me teaching my family and you teaching your family and whoever, that we can do this with, with a good uh, ability. So the word true uh, now, I'm just going to go real quick. Some of the English words for true that we thought were correct, unchanging, accurate. Uh, but actually, that word means not concealing, or uh, it, it, it means to prove something that proves that something else is false. Uh, and again, I'm not going to go through whatsoever things are. Let me make sure I get through because I don't want to have somebody come up. Whatsoever things are honest. Our, our English for honest was doing uh, do integrity, doing right, trustworthy. The word honest uh, in the Greek means uh, 
having a great deal of respect for something due to the age, wisdom, and character. There are those that will demand respect. I'm just going to use this. There are those that demand respect, but you can't demand respect. Respect comes through age, wisdom, and character. That's where respect comes from. So whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just. The word just, we said, meant fair or righteous. Uh, The Greek word there means fair and impartial. Fair and impartial. We talked about that God is just, but God is not fair. If God was fair, we'd all go straight to hell. Fair is that we've crossed the line, and fair means that because we've crossed the line, we deserve the punishment. But there's, therein, uh, therein lies God's grace, mercy, and righteousness, that even though God is just, He's, he's, not, he's not partial to people. He's impartial to us. And so we should think on those, on those same lines that, you know, have you ever just had a hard time forgiving somebody? Yeah, so have I. But, you know, you have to come to a point where you have to be impartial to that person because there's other people. Like, you know, if somebody, if my kids do something that, that, that I feel like is wrong or, or, or is wrong, and I, I want to, I can forgive them pretty quickly. It's over. It's done. It's gone. But then somebody outside of my family is a little different. Well, the thing is, when you're just, it's never, no matter where they are, outside or inside the family, just means you're impartial. Uh, pure, whatsoever things are pure. That, what do we say pure was? Uh, Innocent, chaste, unblemished, undefiled, uh, and that's what it means. It means innocent, modest, perfect. We did ask the question, what, what is modesty? What is modesty? So I wanted to ask that question again. I mean, I'm not going to belabor. We talked about this last week. What does it mean to be modest? Humble? Reserved? Modest. Not flamboyant. What was the other one? Not in excess. Okay. Right. So modest could tell us that we're not in excess this way or this way. Some of us came from a group where they thought modest was excessive this way. Modest has to do with balance. Modest being modest, and that's everything. That's not just dress. That's how, how you act, how you present yourself, your character. It's, it's, it's a balance, not being too excessive this way, not too excessive this way. Modest is simply being balanced. Because that brings a whole, like I said last week, that's a whole different. Uh, whatsoever things are lovely. Now, we got a little di- different, lovely, beautiful. Jason said his wife. Okay. Nature is lovely. Whatsoever things are lovely, that word lovely there actually means uh, friendly towards, being friendly towards. That's actually what it means. Your thoughts, and again, these are the things we're supposed to be thinking on. And so why are we supposed to be thinking on them? Because all of our actions and all of everything that we do in life starts with a what? A thought. It all start, everything you do starts with a thought. Well, I just reacted right off the, no, you didn't react right off the cuff. A thought crossed your mind. It could have been very quick. You, you ever just, you know, I can remember as a young person before church, uh, you know, somebody said something or did something, and I reacted very quickly, but I still had a thought. I still had a thought because your thought, you know, that's the intent of, our, of what we're doing. So everything that we do 
starts with a thought. That's why Paul is referring to us to think on these things. So uh, our actions dictate are dictated by our thoughts. That's why we should think on being friendly. A good report, good report. What's a good report? Good news, good report. When you got a good report card, do you ever get a bad report card? That's <laughs> if you never got a bad report card, then maybe you don't really understand what a good report card is. So, say it loud. Connects to performance, good report. Okay. What's a good report? You're going to give a good report. Praise. Say again. Good results. Okay. All good. Good report. Good testimony. Part of what happened, actions are, okay. The, the, the Greek word for good here is E-U-P-H-E-M-O-S. It means well-spoken. The Greek word for report is the same exact word. It's the same exact word. That we're supposed to think on things that will be well spoken. Did your mom or dad ever tell you if you don't have anything good to say, just don't say anything? That's a good report. If you, if you don't have anything good to say, just don't say anything. That's good advice, by the way. Because I've, I've been on the other side of that spectrum. And when, when you say things you shouldn't say, you're gonna there will be a result. And you will get a bad report. In one way or another, something will happen. These are linked. The good report is basically the opposite of gossip. Gossip. Why is gossip so dangerous? Ruin someone? It can ruin their... Why is gossip so dangerous? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Say again. Life and death and power of the tongue. Gossip. Why is it so? What is gossip? Slander. Talking about stuff that ain't your business. It's a bad report. Nope. Say that again. Don't talk about stuff that's not your business. It's gossip, whether it's good or bad. Whether it's good or bad. Well, shouldn't we talk about good things? Let the person that the good things are talking about talk about them. When they talk about them, now you can talk about it. It's not gossip. But you're, and you're the one that brings it to the forefront. You're in a whole different... Because that person may have something good going. They don't want anything to know about yet because they got other things happening. So it's things we don't think about, about good report. Let the person with the good report give the good report, and then everybody can talk about the good report all day long. Somebody ever spoiled your secret? Your surprise? 
you won something and you want to tell everybody you got there and everybody's celebrating because somebody else already gossiped it around. Nothing's bad here, right? You just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to quit reading theirs. Yeah, because telling good stuff, but there's nothing wrong with giving good report. Just let the person give the good report. Give our own good report. That's why when we meet together, it's good to say, what's God done for you this week? What's, what's God? That's why it's good to have those type of conversations. You know, again, it's not a sinful thing to say, man, I heard that Don caught a bunch of fish the other day. What, that's a great report. He loves to fish. I, that's not simple anything, but you know what? Pastor Don would rather tell everybody. It's, it's different. I'm doing an extreme here, y'all. But under, yeah, because Pastor Don caught a fish this long. I notice I'm not using this hand. Just never caught a halibut. But I've never sent people pictures of fish I caught like that either. That could border on sin. <laughs> so Darren sent me a report. <laughs> he just knew that I was going to be jealous of the report. The whole bottom line of it is this. Let's, let's just remember our thoughts, our conversation, and our actions, they, they are all developed from our attitude towards others. Just think about this just a second. Your thoughts, your conversation, and your actions are all developed by an, a thought process, an attitude that you have towards others. Some of our conversations towards certain people are simply out of a thought. Let me give you a quick one, then I'll move on. Have you ever heard something about somebody, and, you know, months later you found out it really wasn't true? Yeah, th man, th this person, if you ever talk to them, they're going to be abrupt, they're going to be straightforward, they're going to be mean when you ask them a question. And so you, you spend a little time trying to figure out how you're going to ask this person a question because somebody told you this stuff. And you found that out. And so your whole thought process is, how am I going to approach this person? It's based on a thought. The thought was implanted through gossip. See all this? Correct. But I, I'm given a given situation where why, why thoughts and, and those things, they, they, they put us into situations sometimes that we don't, we really even should that situation shouldn't even exist. And then you went to that person and you said, listen, i got a question to ask you, but I'm not sure. Well, go ahead and ask it. And you ask it, and they were so pleasant, and they answered the question. But you had a thought process that led you to being a little bit, oh, I'm not sure I want to do this or not. Now, I'm, I'm just giving you an extreme thing to think about when we think about thoughts and actions and all those things. Right. Because 
Yeah. Right. So how do you how do you reconcile with somebody that doesn't offend you? Look, there's no reconciliation, right? So I read this account that there was this discussion in hell. This demon come and told the devil a, a story of gossip about somebody. And the devil said, listen, that is so dirty, that is so vile, that is so repulsive that not even I would touch it. And if it's something the devil wouldn't do, why would we do it? <laughs> That's called gossip. Right, the tendency in gossip is is exaggeration. That's the tendency in gossip, exaggeration. Yeah, and and the other tendency is just what Bishop said. The tendency is you're bringing somebody into a situation that has, that has no business in the situation, and then when it's all said and done, and these two people are all reconciled that did all this, this person here has no way to get out of this now. They're trapped. You have now trapped a person by gossiping about someone to them, you have now trapped them into a place they can't get out of. That's, that's you know, that's a tough place. Okay, so he said, if there be any virtue, be any virtue, virtue. What's a good English word for virtue? Clean? Okay. Virtue. If there be any virtue. Integrity. Say again. Moral excellence. Is that a is that a question or an answer? One of the writers in the New Testament says, honor the king. What if that king is no good? We still need to honor him. Even if he's not honorable, he doesn't deserve it because he has no moral excellence. Do you honor somebody that's not honorable? Good. That was Is that, that what was you're asking? Yeah. Honor your father and your mother. Yeah. Honor your father and your mother. That's a commandment. Honor out of duty. Okay. Honor your father and your mother. What if your father beat you every day of your life, never provided a day of, and what if your mom hooked belt link with him, and that's how they treated you all your life? It would be hard, hard to honor them. So what does it mean to honor them? Yeah.
So, so if if don't raise your hands. Do you do you like the current president? Don't raise your hands. Either one. Do you like the current president? If you like him, you honor him, right? If you don't like him, you still honor him. But what, are you honoring him, or what are you honoring? You're honoring the office. Okay. So honor your father and your mother. Your 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 God gave you a father and a mother, and so. In obedience, you're going to do what God says and honor the father and mother that God gave you. That doesn't mean you have to like what they did to you, and that doesn't mean you have to agree what they did to you. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that God has said by commandment that we honor. And we Now, again, when you go back to Old Testament and you understand the honor system, there's a whole litany of things in the honor system in the Old Testament. But understand this. All of those commandments are wrapped up in two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? You never think of your mom as your neighbor, do you? Or your dad as your neighbor. But what is he saying here? You... It's hard to love someone that has done the things that I may have described to you all your life. That's hard to do. We're all human, let's be honest. But you can still honor the position that they hold. Because that are, so let's go back to virtue. Let's go back to virtue, and this, this will tie together here. So any other words you want to put? Because this is an interesting word. The word virtue in the Greek is A-R-E-T-E. Virtue. It means manliness, as in valor. Excellence. The things we think on should hold an excellence of valor. Valor means courage in the face of danger. So the word virtue means you think on the courage in the face of danger. And so when we think of the virtue, if there be any virtue, if there's any virtuous, if there's any valor in it. So now this, now this kind of brings the... Because where do you generally think of valor? Somebody that high position, valor. There's a medal that we give away. It's called the Medal of Valor. There are people on the battlefield that valor. So when you think of valor, what do you you think of a person? You think of a person when you think of valor that that is in the face of danger holds themselves true to what they're supposed to do. The guy that wins the Medal of Valor, why does he win the Medal of Valor? Anybody above and beyond? Puts others ahead of himself. It's usually a person that that somebody in the battlefield was wounded or two or three people and they ran out and they scooped them up and took them and brought them back to safety. That's what valor, that's what if there be, if there's anything like, that's the things we're supposed to think on. Things that we, say again. Right. Gave their life to save others. And you see that, you know, that happens about every year. They give posthumous medals of valor for people in wars because they did this to save others' lives. And so that's what virtue is really about. If there be any virtue, if there's any opportunity to go save someone else, that, now that's not standard in the church today. 
because the church is about, well, I'll save myself first, then I'll save my family next, and then I'll save everybody else this, and then maybe I'll get outside and say, but here's the thing. We're supposed to think on things. Anything that brings us to a point where we can help save someone else, that's what we need to be thinking on. That's what, if this is more than, oh, this guy, I ran into this guy today by accident, and I talked to him about the Lord. You don't run into you look for him. So there's the, here's the difference. Oh, I was looking for somebody that I could find to tell them about the Lord. You see the difference? Running into somebody by accident as opposed to looking for someone? That, that's what virtue is all really about. If there be any virtue, if there be any valor, it translates into our thoughts is that if anything brings us to reconciling somebody with God, we got to think about it, whatever it might take. If there's a deep, deep flow here about virtue, because we think of virtue a lot as a person's character, a person's character, how uh, virtuous they are. In other words, they're, they're nice, they're peaceful, they're uh, outstanding, they do. And that's the, that's the vein we think in. But Paul's vein here in virtue and the word that he uses is the one of valor where we reach out to others. If there's any opportunity to do that, any, any thoughts, fears, unbeliefs, I'm going to move on. Right, action. It's the faith thing, right? The faith thing. Faith is an action. Faith is not a belief is belief. I and mean, we all believe a lot of things. But when you put feet on it, it becomes faith. When you do something about it, it becomes faith. You have no virtue until you step out and find that person. In that in the sense that we're talking about. I'm not telling you you don't have virtue. What I'm saying is if there be any the things to think on, it's great to think about winning the lost, right? It's great. Fantastic. If you never do anything about it, you've not achieved the virtue. You haven't achieved the virtue. You just thought about it. Now, Paul says, think on these things. But he's, he, the things that he says to think on, he says, then if there be any virtue. Now, here comes the action. Anybody, before I move on? Virtue differently. Right. It said, but you're a chosen generation, yep. a royal, a holy nation, a peculiar people, royal priesthood, that you should show forth the praises. The word praises there is virtue. Mm-hmm. A different culture right. of darkness in his marvelous light. Right. Now, now cause, thank you for bringing that up because here's the thing. Now what Bishop is doing is taking context. The context of virtue there is different in Peter than the context of virtue here. That's why studying is so important. If we cross those over, we're going to get a misinterpretation of Scripture. And that's why there's so many denominations. As people take the standard, they cross it over, they place it in there, and it doesn't mean what... They, does that make sense? It's why we're doing this, y'all. This, you know, I, I, I think it's important we understand. So let's go to the next word. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So what praise? Can you think of a... What's a good English word for praise? Huh? Pray? Praise? What, that's the word, the definition for it. <laughs> Celebration. <laughs> okay.
celebration. Praise. Good. Accolades. Bruce, did you have something or you just hold yourself up? Okay. It looked like you were raising your hand. <laughs> okay. Form of love. Okay. Okay, exalt or lift up. Okay. Anybody else? Well, as you know, if you look in Scripture, you're going to find different definitions on praise. And so that's why you, got, you have to find the definition here in its context. The, the Greek word here for praise is E-P, is, here's the best way to spell it, E-P-A-I-N-O-S. E-P-A-I-N-O-S. It means a laudation, an, an act of tribute or commendation. When we talk about praising something in this sense, in our thought processes, it's, a, it's, a, it's the act of anytime you have the opportunity to give a tribute. So that's what praise is, is a tribute. That's why some, I know some of y'all have gotten aggravated with Pastor Don over this, but just stick with me. There, to, in Pastor Don's understanding, there's a difference between praise and worship. Praise is a laudation or it's an act. It's an action, uh, you know, of y- y- you're expressing what this person has done, either for you or in a situation. That's what praise is. That's what the definition here. It's a tribute or a commendation to things that have done. But worship is not about what things that have been done, but about who did it. Praise is what you did. Worship is who did it. And so the praise is, it's fantastic to praise God about what he's done. That's, we should do that. The, the psalm full of it. But there comes a point in time where we, we don't think about what God has done for us. We think about that he's God. And that, then that translates from an action. And you're getting, again, you're getting into thought processes, but understanding that God is God and God deserves worship regardless. That, you know, the flowers can't tell God what, how great he's done. But when the morning comes and the dew comes and they, you know, in the afternoon, boy, the 100-degree weather, my flowers are wilted at home. But in the morning when I go out and there's a fresh dew, guess what? Now, we think, well, that's just nature. You're right. That's how God created it. So they give God that worship. You're God. I'm showing here. You're God. Look. Yeah. And so we should do the same thing. There's a part of us that should say, God's done this for us and God's done that. And we sing those songs. That's great. But there, there's sometimes we should just say, God, we love you because you're God. We, wor- we worship you because you're God. Because you know what's going to happen at the end time when everybody stands? Not us, but the rest, those that don't make it that are going to go to the white throne judgment, they're still going to stand at the throne of God and say, God, you're God. There's going to be a final worship of those that are lost. They're still going to have to worship him. Man, what I'd rather do it here. Yeah, I'd rather have it here than on that side of it. So if there are any virtue, if there are any praise, think on these things. I've got a few minutes. Any, any, I just want to hit another verse here in this chapter. Any other thoughts on that? Any? Listen, we do this. We want you to... You know, there's no right or wrong here as far as what you think. 
what we're trying to do is make sure that we understand what it means to jump into Scripture and how to get into it, and then it produces. It's right or wrong. We're not judging whether it's right or wrong. The Scripture will produce the truth. You, you still in the storm? That regardless of the situation, you praise Him. Listen, sometimes we think that we only praise, and not, not you, but, but as a people. We think we praise because He did something good for us, what we term as good. When some of the best things that we, some of the hardest and things that we think are the most awful are the best things God could ever do for us. They're the good. Right, in. Right, right. Excellent, excellent. No matter what you're going through, whether it's a storm, whether it's a valley, whether it's a mountain, whether it's the, the brilliant sunshine, give, give him thanks in, in all things, in, in them. Right. Because man, man is not worthy of, you know, you can be worthy of a, of a praise. If you did a great job, somebody can tell you you did a great job. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But then to say, you're, you know what, there's none above you, you're the greatest, that's worship. That's worship. And that's where the line has to be drawn. So good point, good point. We've got, got a few minutes. So let's look, look at a verse here that I think is probably another one of those that are very, very misunderstood. Same chapter, verse 19. Same chapter, Philippians 4, verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Well, we love that one, don't we? My God shall supply all your need. And we often use that out of context. Out of context. That God's going to supply everything that we need, God's going to supply it because He holds it in His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. He's got it in His bag. He's going to supply it when we need it. That, that's generally how this is interpreted. But here's the reason that we look in context when we're studying. Because we just read a verse in that chapter, and that verse is talking about what? What to think on, right? Well, this is what you should think on. So, so let's keep looking in that chapter. Right after cha- verse 8, look at verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I, and now, now, now y'all will remember we just talked about this scripture. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect for want, for I have learned in what sort of things state I am therein to be content, both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And we still use are out of bounds, if you will, on the context. Let's keep reading. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We've talked about that one. Notwithstanding, verse 14, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. And here is the crux of what we're talking about here. Here's what Paul talks about these things, and he says, listen, you guys, who's who's he writing to here, by the way? The church where? Philippi. So he's writing to church folks here. Okay. He said, notwithstanding you've well done, 
that you did communicate. Look, verse 15. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Philippi, you were the only church that when I came in would accept me. Communicate. That word communicate is lifestyle, by the way. That, that is, that is, that, they didn't just call him up on the phone. They didn't just write him a script. They didn't, that's not what he's saying here. They had interaction. They were the only church that would have interaction with Paul. And he said, you did well with that because nobody else wanted to have anything to do with me. Verse 16, for even, <clears throat> man, I'm, my voice is changing. I'm finally hitting puberty. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto me necessity. So he said, I was in a city, but you guys in your city sent me what I needed. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound uh, to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing. Now it says, but my God shall supply. So do you see the, un- the connection here? Do you see the connection? Paul makes the statement that his God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Why is that? Because you, Philippi, had communication with me. You were the only one that met my needs. You were the one that was willing to give to others. And that's what this communication. Now, there's, there's Scripture that, that, that context with this. So, Look at verse 18 again. There's this sweet smell of sacrifice. It's the communication that he's talking about. When you look at Hebrews, if you'll turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Let's see if I can get there faster. Hebrews chapter 13. So and he's talking about, when he started talking to them, he said, your communication with me. That's, that was what? Their interaction. And because of that, that there were pla- I had needs. And then he goes on to say, not that I had, you know, had wanted a gift. You know, I didn't want to, you know, but you saw my needs and you met them. This is the community. Look at verse 16 of chapter 13. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. When he made the statement about the sweet smell, which is a good sacrifice, he wasn't talking about, thank you for the candles you sent me. He said, your communication... You're transferring with me and talking with me and sending me stuff and me talking with you. That communication was a, was a sacrifice that God smells as a sweet smell. And he said, don't ever forget. He tells us the Hebrews later, don't ever forget to do that. It's very important. Because what happens is your God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus as we communicate we're busy looking for God to open his bag. God's bag is right here. God's bag is right here. God's blessing God's, uh, is right here. There, he's not pouring out any more blessing. He's not pouring any more healing. He's not pouring out. He's not going to be crucified again. He's not, none of those things. Those things have happened. He's, he's not going to pour out any more Holy Ghost. It's all here. But the supplying is here. God supply. How many of you have ever found uh, a brand new car sitting in your driveway that you needed? 
because God drives. I'm not saying how many, has someone ever bought you a brand new car? That's not what I'm asking you. That you, you know, your car broke down, and the next day there was a brand new car sitting in your driveway because God pulled a car out of his pocket and set it down in your driveway. God doesn't work that way, does he? Why does God do this? Why does God, why does God supply that according to his riches through Christ Jesus? Why does he do that? Because Christ Jesus is in us. Christ Jesus is in us. And so the part of the communication Paul had with Philippi was what? Helping one another. So understand something here. A lot of times we look for God's bag when it's sitting right in front of us. God wants to supply your need sitting right in front of you. But a lot of times we spend asking God to open his bag. Does that make sense? Or maybe, maybe I'm talking to, to East Texas. <laughs> if, we'll, if we will learn to communicate with one another let me ask you a question. Don't answer this. Are we a good communicating church? Do, do we interact well with one another? Do we spend time with one another? Do we help one another? Do we do all those things? That's, the, that's what a communicating. Correct. Meet their need. It's an action. It's not a verbiage. Communication is a lifestyle. Communication means lifestyle. It's our lifestyle to help one another. It's what we do. Our communication is when we see a need, we meet the need. When we see a need, we meet the need. But so many times people will use this verse, again, God is a candy stick. God is a candy stick. And, you know, God, when I have this need, you're going to supply it. It's going to come out of the air. And there's a lot of people that are living that way. And, and, and here's a reason people like that. It's, it's a human feeling. I feel like that if my candy stick God produces something out of the air like that, that I've got to be his child for him to do that. So that verifies that I'm his child. That, that justifies that even though what I'm doing, I'm still his child because even though I'm this, because I get those blessings that way, that solidifies that I'm a Christian. What solidifies you as being a Christian? It's not blessing. If that's the fact, Paul didn't make it. You obey him. That's what Jesus said. Obey him. When you obey him, that solidifies that you're a Christian. Not what you receive, but what you produce. And here's, the, here's what Paul is saying. Because you obeyed, you will receive by the riches in glory through Christ Jesus. So if you want, if you want, you've heard people say it, if you want to, if you're having a tough situation and you're not sure how to get out of it, go help somebody else. Wait a minute, I got my situation. That's not it. Go communicate with somebody. Don't tell them your problem. That's not it. Don't voice your concern. That's not it. Just go help somebody that's got a problem going on. And watch what the riches and glory through Christ Jesus happens in your life. This has happened over and over and over again in Jan and I's life. We learned it a while back. You know what? When we're having difficulties, let's go find somebody and help them. Invariably, God just shows up because he said he would. God's not a liar. Just, just try it. You know what? When we as a church come, that's part of this unity thing that we've been talking about. That we as a church will understand that as we communicate better, as we lifestyle together better, watch what happens. The needs that we have grow less, grow less. 
and grow less because we're meeting them as we lifestyle together. Anybody have another thought process there? I'm going to finish on time this week. If you, I, I finished a minute on time. One minute. That's, for me, that's good. God bless you. Let's take a little time before worship. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.